Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the season three premiere of This Week in the AFL. Alongside my co-host, Eric Watkins. I'm Stephen R. Eric, it's been a while since I've talked to you. What have you, what you been up to? Oh, just the usual shenanigans, conundrums, borderline insanity. <laughs> Typical day in the life. Uh, Irish conundrums are always a funny story to hear. <laughs> but we are we are glad to be back here on this week. I'm, I'm glad to be back here on this week in the AFL. Uh, this is our third year inside the arena.org. Third year doing this show. A lot of exciting stuff. But it almost didn't happen because all this offseason, the big issue has been with the collective bargaining agreement. Would they play a season? When would they play a season? All these questions have finally been answered. There is a CBA. There is a season. But I know, Eric, you have a little more you want to say about all this. Now... I was watching through the lens of the Twitterverse with Yvonne Soto, head of the Players Union, with the commissioner's office, which big news in of itself on why they were a little bit quiet about going public. And I noticed that even with the past few years of this league being very, very tenuous and everybody walking on a tightrope, there was, I don't want to say nastiness, but a very heightened intensity to these negotiations. You had tweets about the league may be done. Soto putting his tweets out from the Players Union, what they're trying to do, bargaining in good faith. A couple of tweets from the league. And in the 11th hour, those last few weeks leading up to the big announcement where the CBA was signed, it got ugly. Jeff Bushy, owner of the Sharks, formerly the AFL, now in the NAL, he was levying some intense accusations about some of the teams, Washington, Albany, and kind of dipping their hand into the cookie jar. Then that led to arguments with Soto, and it got very, very rough. And for a while, I myself was wondering, would this season even be worth it? Now that there's a four-year CBA in place, I hope with the new commissioner, there's a lot that can be ironed out. So the league can at the very least stabilize, potentially grow, and see out this four-year deal. Yes, having a four-year deal instead of like I remember last year they had like a one-year contract deal mm-hmm. and one season. Now it's four, so we don't have to worry about the end of the year. Okay, what's next? We don't have to worry about that anymore because we know what's going to happen over the next four years. Uh, everybody loves. Everybody seems to love the fact that Scott Butera is no longer the commissioner of the league. Yeah, I understand why, but I'm very excited to see what Randall Bow can bring in. I don't know if you know much about Randall Bow. I don't. I've never really heard of the guy. I know he worked within the league before. But I'm excited for what he can bring to the table. Uh, 
I'm cautiously optimistic. He's a fairly high level in the league's front office. Not quite a Butera protege, but I have heard some things along those lines. And with everything Kurz did since he basically brought the league back from the depths, and then everything Butera did when Kurz was pretty much forced out by the public, Bo has got not just big shoes to fill, but he doesn't have a whole lot of time to try to cement his own reputation because of the state of the league and what he's really coming into. He's got a terrible situation that he's inheriting, and I just hope he can get cooler heads to prevail and say, okay, this is what didn't work. This is what did This is what past commissioners have done. This is what can work. Let's get a concrete plan. One thing I'm looking forward to, and I was hoping to have Randall Ball on with us tonight, but uh, he's never got back to us with it, but it's okay. Expansion. I know it's a long shot. We want to get through the season, and then we're about expansion, but I'm hearing a lot of different things. I know you probably have to. West Coast League. Uh, maybe the AFL gets in on that. Perhaps the cities and we wrote articles about this during the offseason. Chicago, St. Louis, mm-hmm. different cities. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to when it comes to Mr. Bo expansion. I would love to see more teams come next season. I would also love to see more teams next season. However, I want to see how this season would work first and rather than going to a bigger league with isolated teams like how we had last year with Tampa Bay like how the situation was with Arizona aside from a couple of teams out west treat this like you would say a lower level soccer league have it as an amalgamation of leagues which would become conferences and have all of the play in conference and then have teams travel farther across the country for sort of a national playoff i think if that model were investigated the league would work a lot better long term plus if you have say some of the other competing or competing leagues struggling a bit you can work out a deal to bring those into the fold somehow. I love that idea. National playoff. That just sounds very intriguing. Uh, wow, that, that would be real. So I would love to see that as well. But looking looking forward to this season now, the CBA is done. We have four years of more Reed Football League, which is awesome. The big thing here is uh, something different this year. The playoff format. The There will be two playoff games per round. One team, two teams will host, and then the other two teams will host the weekend after. I, I personally feel like this brings more excitement because so let's say one the home team wins the first game, and then the second the road team wins the sec the home team wins the second game at the other race at the other arena. The winner advances to Arena Bowl thirty one. It depends on points, and I feel like that makes it a lot more exciting for the fans. But I've been told today that other some people are just not excited about it. I don't know how maybe you are you excited about it, Eric? I'm a little bit excited, and I'm curious to see how it would work with arena football. This is not 
by any means a unique idea. For all of those soccer fans, if you ever look at, say, for example, our MLS playoffs started to do it, or the UEFA Champions League with the two-leg aggregate, it's basically the same thing. In the Canadian Football League, they did that going as far back as the 60s, and they even had a tiebreaker just two years ago come down to this similar fashion the last two games of the regular season. So I like the fact that on top of the league pass with how the teams are structured, the AFL is venturing out and trying something new. So it's not familiar to the diehards, but if you're a sports fan overall, you should love it. It's going to bring a lot more action. And more importantly, even if one of those games happens to be a blowout, Keep an eye on the strategy in the fourth quarter because every single point will matter. Like Eric said, this is sort of like a soccer thing. The soccer playoffs are sort of like this well as well. Have one team host and then the other team hosts and then the winners based on like some I don't understand soccer, but I think it was called aggregate. Mm-hmm. Sort of that deal. Yeah, the total number of goals in two games. In this case, the total number of points in two games. If you want to hear more of Eric's soccer analysis, check out the Soccer to the Max with him, Rachel McCrigger, and Sean Garner every is it every couple days. You know, we usually try to have a midweek edition around Wednesday and a regular edition on Sundays. There you go. Soccer to the Max every Wednesday and Sunday. W2Mnet.com. Go check it out. It's real awesome. Tim Kappa, Marina fan, who got, who's the first to talk to new commissioner Randall Bow, will join us momentarily. Uh, wow, those guys are lucky to get that. But um, anyway, before we get to the, before we get to Tim, we have breaking news. Former Jacksonville Sharks and I don't worry. I know he played. He, he's a veteran, pretty much. He played more with the Sharks. That's where he's well known. Mez quarterback Tommy Grady will join the Albany Empire. Wow, you know they were the, uh, the Albany was the odd team out when it came to quarterbacks before this because Washington had Nick Davila. And Warren Smith Jr., the brigade had gotten Randy Hippert and the soul of Dan Radaball. Now we have a league full of talented quarterbacks with Tom Grady coming in. This is a huge move for Albany. They needed a big splash signing, and I really think they got it. With Grady, championship caliber quarterback, a lot of experience getting the Sharks to an arena bowl. Played outstanding when he was with Utah. This is a guy, if you're looking for familiarity, if you're looking for someone with a good arm, this is what Albany needs for their first quarterback. A big move, and I will say, I wasn't entirely surprised that after Jacksonville switched leagues, he stayed I'm equally not as surprised now with Albany come calling, even with the situation with Washington last year. This was pretty much expected, and it's a good move for Albany to close the deal. This is big for Albany. And for all those saying, like, oh, the Arena Football League has four teams. It's a joke. Take this into consideration. Via Arena Fan, Grady, Randall Ball, Hippard and Davila have combined 2,500 
touchdown passes in their careers combined. That's no joke. No, this, everybody looks at four teams. Listen, the Arena Football League was a four-team league back in 87. I think we can all agree you're getting much more talent in a much more open league this year as compared to years ago. Yeah, uh, definitely not a joke at all. I understand why people keep saying it. But now joining us here in this week in the AFL Season 3 premiere is the man behind Arena Fan. Try to rhyme there. Mr. <laughs> Tim Capper. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, fellas. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. Um, I want to get your eyes on We'll start with this. How did you feel like the whole offseason were worried about the CBA after it expired on September 30th? How did you feel? Did you Were you worried at all? Like, oh, maybe the season might not happen or something? Well, yeah. And and I say that even though, you know, I've been following the league for a long time. I've been through many labor disputes. I've been through two shutdowns. I've been through it. <laughs> yes. I was like everybody else. I put I had put out my my uh my thank yous and stuff like that on social media. So it's yeah, I was I was I was very concerned, but I was also I had a feeling it was gonna happen like everybody else did. So I hadn't heard anything else otherwise. And, and now, with the CBA being signed, that's the first big hurdle. The Not quite the only hurdle, but the big one. Do you feel like, with all the tension leading into the negotiations with the CBA, is it a sigh of the relief? Is it an immediate focus on what's next? I mean, now going into an actual season... Where do you think the league is after this? You know, it, it's, you know, we see everything and, you know, with Evan Soto doing his stuff that he was doing on social media, basically, you know, was he negotiating over social media? Some people would say that he was. Um, you know, it's, I, I think it was signed. They got what they wanted, so to speak. I mean, it, it's pretty good. Um, I think it's just a matter of where the league can go. I don't think it's, I think everything, yes, is going to start anew, so to speak, because we have three years plus a, you know, another year, which is a uh, sort of like an extension year, so to speak. So the grand total of four years of labor peace, we need to grow. The league needs to grow. And let's hope that the amounts that were agreed upon will not hinder the league in any way. You know the money's coming in. Ted Leonsis doesn't say I'm I'm done. Um, you know Jaws doesn't say I'm done. It's the league needs to grow. Uh, you know there's been a lot of bad stuff with the Arena League over the past two years. Let's it just needs to grow. We need to get away from it all. And like Leonsis had said in as many of his TED talks, blogs, we need to we need to go forward, expand and uh, make this league the best indoor league, indoor football league that, the, uh, that North America has. Now, I have two questions here, both pertaining to commissioners. The first one, I'll start with Scott Pitera being out as the commissioner of the AFL. A lot of people have been saying, oh, this is a blessing in disguise because Pitera's ruined so much. Do you feel like Pitera is really that bad? No. No, and I, I would not have put... 
in all honesty, if the league had folded, and I, I said I've said this openly, so this is this is not something new. I said, you know, if the league had folded, I was not putting any blame on the front office. I was not putting any blame on the owners. So he did what he needed to do. He, I think, he actually did move the league along where it needed to go. He fixed the, you know, he's able to look at the books, correct what was necessary, and, you know, people will look at him as like, oh well, he was the commissioner that, you know, X, X, Y, Z, and all these teams may have, you know, fold and stuff like that, but. I, I still think that we're better off having had him as as a commissioner these past three plus years. So Randall Bowe is now the new commissioner of the AFL. I know I don't know much about him. I know he works within the league. I'm pretty sure Eric has said in our group chat he didn't know much about him either. Could you tell us a little bit about what Bo has done as part like a league executive or whatever title he had held? Well, actually, he he's never been held in a a a. Uh, he's never had a held a job within the league itself. He's oh, been hasn't. no, he's been specifically with Monumental Sports Entertainment. Oh, okay. He, he is there, and this is this is where this is where it may get interesting to how you guys and I'm curious to know what you guys think about this. He is the executive VP and the general counsel for MSC. So. Take take with it what whatever you you feel. I mean, but he's been a part of the negotiations for the Valor. Uh, he's been a part of you know the OTT stuff. If you check his, it, it's a very if you go check out his profile over at Monumental Sports Entertainment on the website. It's very interesting. It does same thing if you go over to his LinkedIn account. It's very interesting what you can learn about him. So it sounds like he knows Ted very, very well. Now, this little bit of a big semi-bombshell with this, since he's been like this involved really from one side, can he kind of not just work with Ted, who owns two of the most recent up until Albany expansion teams, but can you kind of work with everybody and know when to take a step back so that way he can evaluate the best plans for the league going forward? Well, from what I've understood uh, when I did the interview with him last week, um, and it is available, uh, you know, in multiple places if, if anybody happened to miss it, um, he says that he is centering specifically on the arena football league. So, I mean, obviously we have to take him at his word. Um, he, it sounds that he is, uh, he has the best intentions for the league. He wants to grow the league. He wants to grow the technology for the league. So as I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's early on, it, you know, it's completely different than what Scott Butera was. Scott Butera came from, from the gambling side of things. This is the guy who's been an executive VP for uh, for AOL at one point, by the way. So it's too early to say, but you know, from everything that I heard from him during the interview, he seems to be centered specifically on the AFL. Yeah, we were talking before you came on about how uh, the one thing I was most excited to see was expansion. But of course, that's not going to happen in 2018. Maybe next year, maybe the year after. We'll have to see what happens. 
But PokeSync focusing on this year, exactly. There's something we haven't seen, I don't remember seeing in the years I've watched Marine football. There's a new playoff system, and I told Eric, and he agreed with me. It's kind of exciting to see how this will play out. How do you feel about the new playoff system? It's it's very different. And I know a lot of people have been poo-pooing and saying, oh, man, it's too much like European soccer, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> um, very similar uh, to what the CFL did back in 86 for a single season. And then before that, they the CFL had done it for many, many years where they would have a two-game system, a total point system. Um, I, I'm intrigued. I actually am intrigued about it. I was, I was on the fence for a while. But then after I thought about it, I said, you know, even if it is just a one-year thing, it will give more exposure. Sure, you'll see the same teams twice, but yet you also get a guaranteed playoff, a home playoff game. But my thought was this, and I think the best scenario, because we, as all three of us know, almost anything can happen in the Arena Football League. Absolutely. <laughs> and my hope is that come game two of whichever series is going to be at the, at the end of game two, the teams, each team will have one game, one, one game. The score will be tied. Yes. We will head to a sudden death overtime. Yes. Could you think, yeah. could you think about this, guys? In essence, you could have two overtimes back to back. If the game is tied, they go into overtime. And then if they're at a point that they're tied again at the end of overtime, they go into another overtime to decide <laughs> the victory. That, that, I mean, it would be insane, but at the same time, it would be beautiful. And I hope CBS, CBS Sports Network, whatever, I hope they get one, if not both of those games for everything this year, that would be just an extremely fitting lead up to arena bowl 31. Oh, no kidding. And you know, from what the league has shown today, when they released the schedule for CBS sports network at the moment, all games are currently during the playoffs are currently scheduled for CBS sports network, including the arena bowl and the games following up to arena bowl. So let's hope. Let's hope. I mean, it's it, this could be you know considering who you know the team that's going to be assigned to the to the arena bowl to the uh, CBS Sports Network broadcast teams and stuff like that. It's going to be all. I mean, it's going to be these. Everybody will know what they need to know about the AFL. So much experience. It's it's going to be fun, guys. I'm actually really looking forward to this. Four teams or not? I feel the same way. Uh, I said quality over quantity in a group chat earlier, and people got. They, they gave me hell for it. I'm like, do you realize the players on these teams? Like, this is the most talented players in the sport. And you're saying this is a joke. Like, uh, I just, I just don't get it. And speaking of quality, I mean, Eric, we'll talk about this once we uh, end your interview here. But I'm going to get your take on this. There are four teams, but all teams are loaded with talent. Is there one team that you see could be the out when it comes to Making the title or winning the title? The odd team out. Well, up until today, Albany seemed to be that way. Right. Until with them signing uh, signing Tommy Grady. Um, 
it's yeah, the teams are just so damn loaded. <laughs> really? The only thing that I could really think, to be honest with you, even though they're loaded, would be Washington, because I really think Coach Kokinos is the variable. Wow. Because if you look at how poorly they did last year, and I think if I'm not mistaken, their coaches are basically the same across the board, if, yeah. I, remember, if I remember correctly. DC, I think DC may be the odd man out considering even though they have Nick Davila behind center. He's the wild card. You know, it's Baltimore is beyond improved. I mean, look what they've received so far. And hey, and if Joe Hills comes into the league, oh boy, if he decides to come into the league, anything can happen. So for right now, because, you know, on paper, all teams are stacked. But I think for me, the variable would be uh, Coach Kokinos in D.C. with them being the odd man out. I know it's wow. strange to say, but hey, you know what? I would not be surprised if we did if we had a team that the league is so evenly matched that nobody nobody wins more than ten games. Actually, no, well, 12, twelve games this year. Twelve yeah. games this year. Let me change. Let me change that. Let me change that. I'll say if no team wins more than eight. I would not hmm. be surprised if it's going to be that much parity, but we'll see. I honestly, I really would have to agree with that. And that's why I think that the playoff system is going to come even more into play because we may not know what those matchups are going to be until the end of week 12. So we've lost Tim. I wanted to get his... Um his take on who he has for a Rainbow 31 champion. We'll have to get Tim's Rainbow prediction another time. So, uh, Eric, we were talking, uh, as I was telling Tim, before we, before we lost him. Thank you, Tim, by the way, for coming on. If we do get you back on, we'll have to ask you your thing. Odd team out, you, I was surprised by this. I didn't understand it. You said Baltimore was your odd team out. I really think so. And while they've been giving gifts from the league, there's really two surprising moves that are unique to Baltimore that means there's something that could potentially be missing. Number one, even though, yes, they got Randy Hippert, fantastic quarterback, has shown what he can do. He can compete with the best of them. They lost a little bit of an edge to me when Shane Carter, out of nowhere, announced his retirement. I'm going into this season thinking, okay, with Warren Smith Jr. being in Washington, before the Davila signing, of course, the battles between Cardin and Smith, two really dynamic dual-threat quarterbacks, were going to be tremendous. They were going to take the Beltway smackdown to a whole new level. That does, that's very surprising. Uh, Tim is back with us now. Uh, Tim, I don't know if you heard, but Eric has Baltimore the odd team out. I'm going to say mine after we uh, after we uh, asked Tim this last question here. Before we get cut off again, yeah. Do you, uh, your matchup for Rainbow 31 and who you have winning it all? It's too. It's, uh, with all honesty, <laughs> the, of all years, this is the, the this is the toughest year to even pick. I mean, when you have of the four probable starters of these four teams. Having 27 years of experience, 
okay, one hundred and eleven thousand passing yards between them, and almost twenty five hundred career touchdowns. It's it, it. I might also go and ask my eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm going to, but if I had to choose somebody and I know it's that I, I would probably look at, um, I'd probably look at Baltimore Philly. Um, I don't know if Tommy came in too, too late with Albany. I'm looking at the wide receiver matchups. Um, even though I know, as I said, Washington is stacked at wide receiver too. Uh, Philly, Baltimore, I would not be surprised. I think, I think Hipper could lead into the promised land after what happened last year. I think it'd be pretty fitting. Go up against Hip- uh, Radabog in this year in the Arena Bowl. I, I, so. I, I, I would like to see that as well. I've seen, I, I, we, we, you and I have both met at Arena Bowl 30, and it was Radabog mm-hmm. against Hipper. Hip- yeah. yeah. Uh, him going back to Philadelphia looking for that redemption would be such a story leading up to the big game. So between Philly and Baltimore, who do you see would raise the trophy at the end of the game? Ah, but I'm going to correct you on something. It doesn't necessarily mean that the game's going to be in Philly. Remember, oh, they said if this, oh. if this league is going to be as tight as it is, I mean, for all we know, the championship game could end up being back in Albany for the first time since 2000. You're right. Since, since, sorry, since 99. Anything can happen. But if I were to choose somebody, God, I think, you know what? I have to probably go with the defending champs, but it's just, again, it's way too close. Let's see what these final rosters are going to look like in two weeks. You're right. You are right. Uh, this is just uh, really yeah, very early predictions. Yeah, I understand we have to make a choice. Though. So Tim Capper picks the if the Philadelphia Soul, by the way, if they do win a readable 31, they'll be the third team in league history to have a three-peat. The Detroit Drive did it from 1988 to 1990, and the Arizona Rattlers did it from 2012 to 2014. And, of course, we have to thank our fans at Arena Fan for giving us that information. Good stuff. We aim to please. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Capper, the man behind Arena Fan. I love that name. So you are awesome once again, man. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, and we'll have to have you on again soon. Hey, anytime, guys. It was my pleasure. Definitely. Thank you. Thanks. Good stuff, Tim Capper. Always good. Love having him on. So now that. Oh, always a joy. Always a joy. So now that you have given your odd team out, and uh, I'm, I'm honestly so surprised by Tim's, the Washington Valor, I don't think he knows. He might, he might know. He might still think this. They signed DeVille's favorite target, Rod Windsor. Yeah, look who's back. Back again. Windsor's back. Tell a friend. All right, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'm going to go out on a limb here. Another shocker that everyone's going to listen to is like, wow, what? And you're, you're going to think I'm crazy for saying this. Listening to this podcast, Erickson sitting here with me, thinking I'm crazy. The defending champions are the odd team out. I mean, that whoa, team, whoa, uh, whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Steven, uh, if you need a mulligan, now is the time. You, you, you better explain yourself here. Okay. So, Tim did make a good point that Albany might be, you know, it might be a little late having Grady come in. He's been out of the league, technically out of the league for a year. And all of a sudden, he's come back from injury and all this. But the way the Soul played, not just last like last year, they played really bad football despite they winning all these games. 
losing only I think once or twice during the season. But there was such sloppy play so often from the soul I saw it. I was just like, yikes, what what is going on? And now, Ryan, as of right now, as we record this, Ryan McDaniel is in the American Arena League with the Atlanta Havoc. So that's a big target loss for them. They got they got SK back. Money's back. Darius Reynolds. But Ryan McDaniel is another piece that they're gonna be missing. And not only that, but Dan Rodderball has missed out on the MVP, the MVP award the last two seasons from to Nick Davila and last year to Randy Hippard. So uh, I hate it to say it, but I really honestly think that Philadelphia is the odd team out here. But that's not for a lack of trying. And yes, the McDaniels loss is significant. But think back. I said that about last year. And I'm going to say it again, and I featured in my piece this year as far as why I think Washington's going to win it all. I'm sticking by that. This is going to be another one of those surprisingly, with all the quarterback talent, because of the parity, an even little bit lower scoring season. Only... I believe, what was it, three times that both teams last year in a game scored more than 60 points. 17 times throughout the entire season, including playoffs and Arena Bowl. Twice a team went over 70. Philadelphia owned a large chunk of those higher scoring games. Yes, play was very sloppy. However... If anything Clint Dalzell showed, if the team like the Soul gets punched early in the game, which they did a few times, they can get back off the canvas, punch back, and start to punch harder. I know there's going to be some tweaks involved, but if anybody, Dalzell's the kind of guy who's going to make those tweaks. Now, granted, if they get off to slower starts again this season, that's going to hurt them more so than it would last year. Do I have them in the arena bowl? I will say right now, no, I don't. But I'm not counting them out entirely. That's a good explanation. They did score a lot of points last year. Again, they have the top receivers in the league, SK, Money Reynolds. But again, it's all going to depend on route ball. And I say this for every sport, every every football sport. Your team's success depends on your first your coach. If your coach is good, you're going to be good. But then it depends on your quarterback. If your quarterback is bad, the team is going down. That's as simple as that. See that, and and I think, and again, going out on a limb here, Rodovall might be the fourth best quarterback in this league starting 2018. <laughs> a lot of people are going to be able to give me. I'm going to get so much heat for that. But I mean, if you go back and watch last year, you saw it from here and there. You're just like. Eh. I don't know. So we have Eric has the Baltimore Brigade odd team out. Tim Capavaria fan has the Washington Valor out. And I have the Philadelphia Soul, the odd team out. We just need one more guy to say the Albany Empire are out. Speaking of Albany, Eric, we're going to flip the script here. And as nuts as this is, especially with what Tim just said, Albany is my favorite to win it all. They have so many weapons on both sides of the ball. And now they have Tommy Grady. It's going to be very hard for them to go get past the teams that are already in this league. But I have a 
really good feeling that they can do it. Who is your favorite team right now? Barely. Barely, barely, barely Washington. They're keeping a lot of their core players. They've been through a tough year. Going 3-11 and bonds a team more than anything. And the biggest thing is they kept a lot of their key players, but they also, and normally I'd say this would hurt, but this would help, they got younger. They're relying on a lot of guys with only just a couple of years' experience. In a league like this, this means they don't know any better. And when you've got a lot of guys that don't know any better but can learn and they're seeing the team through the eyes of just last season, they are going to go all out to try to get some sort of semblance of revenge. And so that way they can be the guys that said, hey, we helped build this team back up. We brought them to glory. And with a signal caller like uh, Davila, who, by the way, was lured away from a coaching job with Arizona to come back behind center. That is so invaluable on top of being one of the best quarterbacks in a generation in this league. Invaluable. Uh-huh. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh it would, be, it would absolutely be amazing to see Washington win the Arena Bowl, especially after winning, what, three games last season? Maybe two? Mm-hmm. Three, and be, 11. three and 11. Just imagine, three and 11 to Arena Bowl. That would be something. And we'll talk a little bit about Washington, actually, right now. As we get to our team previews, Eric, it's time to talk about team previews here on This Week in the AFL. And we start with Washington. Uh, I love Washington. I love what the Valor have right now. Two, not just one, but two former MVP quarterbacks. Warren Smith Jr. lit it up in the National Arena League last year with the Lehigh Valley Steelhawks. And, let me look, come on, Nick DeVille is Nick DeVille. The only thing that worries me about this team is defense. Last year, they had Jim, okay, Jimmy Gordon had moved from linebacker to the defensive line. That's going to be big for them. Mm-hmm. But in the secondary, the guy I looked at most in the defensive valor, Tracy Belton. I don't really know if he's with the team anymore. That That's my big concern is the secondary and I guess the defensive backs now because Jimmy Gordon's no longer a defensive back. He's on the line. Well, having Gordon up to the line really helps because if you looked at that front five as a unit, they were decent <laughs> at getting pressure. But who was right involved, making a tackle, doing what he could in coverage, it was the commissioner, Gordon. Now, you're saying, okay, we know you can make an impact with physicality. We're going to bring you up front to try to rush the quarterbacks. Because this season, more than ever, making any of these excuse me, quarterbacks uncomfortable is going to be the key. Even if you're hurrying passes, that gives the secondary... A little less pressure saying we know we're not going to win one-on-one battles every time. We know we're going to get beat and we got to be careful about getting beat deep a lot of these times. 
But if we just get tenth of a second, two tenths of a second advantage by having the ball have to come out of the other guy's hand that much quicker, we can work and say, okay, we can make this break at the line of scrimmage. We can cut in, break off this route five, ten yards deep. We can make plays when we have to. We can get better field position if we need it. So it's not going to be the worst thing in the world for Washington. Might not be, but I'm still a little concerned there. We'll see what happens. But on offense, I'm a big offensive guy. Nick Davila, Warren Smith Jr., no matter who starts, which is going to be Davila, let's, let's be real. They have two star receivers, maybe more. I'm not sure. I've been paying much attention. They have Rod Windsor, like I mentioned before. And they've also signed former Baltimore Brigade receiver, big play, Reggie Gray. Very excited to see what he'll do this season. Speaking of Baltimore, by the way, really good roster. And I look at the one thing I look at with this team, the quarterback wide receiver duo of Randy Hippard and a sleeper, I feel, because he didn't play much last season an injury, and he went to the CFL for a little bit. Quint Sims. That's going to be one of my favorite quarterback receiver duos in the league this year. Now, the biggest question, with Quint Sims coming over from Cleveland, he really wasn't always the number one guy. No, of course not. If, and I'm going to say this with a big, well, not a big, but a slight if, because it could be more of a certainty if Hippard makes him the number one guy in Beemore, can he handle closer to being more double teams? Can he handle more and more targets per night? And can he step up and deliver? If he can, okay. They're going to be a lot closer to the rest of the league than I realize. But if he can't, what? Hipper gonna do. And on another side note, talk about the wide receiver, talk about the quarterback. Hippard, when he's healthy, when he's on form, he'll complete over 70% of his passes. Can he get the protection he needs to stay upright, stay healthy? Cardin's gone. Not sure who the backup is, but nowhere near enough of a safety net, in my opinion. Two big things to really look out for. You asked the question, should Quentin not be able to handle being double teams? What will what will Hipper do? And I have the answer right here for you. Kendrick Ings is on the other side of Quint Sims, uh, another star receiver who played with Hipper last year in Tampa. So that's another one-two punch we'll be looking at, but I feel like and people are going to think I'm nuts for saying this. I do think that Quint Sims will be the top receiver for Hippard because Hings is more special teams than he is in the receiving game. But, of course, he'll be a factor in both. I would still, if, if we're talking, say, 35 passes a night, I wouldn't be surprised if you have a lot of nights to where Sims gets 12, 13 targets. Ings winds up with 10 because, yes, he's electric on special teams, but you just need that just as much of his speed at receiver to counteract with Quentin Sims' power. 
just like you saw Tampa Bay work him into their offensive scheme. So at, they're going to be 1-1-A if that's the case. It's going to be very interesting to see, as with all teams, see how Baltimore does with that trio of Ings, Sims, and Hippard. Can't wait to watch them. They actually open, if I'm not mistaken, they open their season against the Washington Valor at the Royal Farms Arena April this uh, this weekend. I know I don't remember when it was. I know the first game is the, f- the 13th, the Soul and the Empire. So that would be the 14th? It would be that Saturday? Yeah, okay, that's it. It's Saturday, the April 14th. Uh, third team, Albany. Before today, the uh, I don't know how much you pay attention to the Albany Empire roster. I sort of did. They had one quarterback who stood out. I don't remember his name. I do know two things. He backed with Josh Rosen at UCLA, and he has the record for most passing yards in a college football game. So I was thinking, wow. There's their guy right there. I didn't know anything about him, but I knew that. I was like, wow, there's the guy. And bam, Tommy Grady's in the picture. So now you put Grady in there, and that team just gets a lot more exciting now that they have a quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback, he's really going to drive this team. He has experience. He can really get the ball down the field. It's just... Don't be surprised if Albany does get off to a slow start. Don't be surprised if not just 0-1, maybe 0-3, because Grady's got to get comfortable. He's got tremendous communication with his receivers. I've seen this firsthand in his time in Jacksonville. When he has communication with those receivers, he can be insane. Once he gets into a rhythm, he can be insane. The coaches just have to work with him when things don't go right. He can crumble. The team can crumble. Things can snowball. I've seen that happen just as often as success. But if they can limit the damage the first quarter of the season and win one, they can propel themselves Probably that's seven and five ish. <laughs> that's bold. An 0 and three start for an Albany Empire team that's just uh, like L teams loaded. I it could remember. potentially happen. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta remember that. Fully loaded Albany Empire start 0 and three. Bold take by Eric Watkins. Another bold take on this season three premiere of this week in the AFL we've heard so far. A lot of good stuff here. <laughs> and the final team, of course, they did two-time defending champion Philadelphia Soul. I said they're my odd team out, but that doesn't mean they don't have talent. They have, like I said, Money Reynolds is back. SK, Routabaugh, Jeremy Richards is back in the backfield. And former Lehigh Valley Steelhawks wide receiver Darius Prince, who won a Rainable 30 MVP, actually, will be, will be returning to the Soul. He did not he decided... He told me in an interview very soon after the Arena Bowl, this is where I want to be. So that's going to be another big factor. He only played two games, I believe, maybe one game for the Soul last year. Now he's there to stay. I expect. I can't wait to see what he'll do. 
And lest we forget a defense still with the likes of a Joe Goosby. Oh, yes. Again, last year, 60 was the magic number. I'm taking that into this season. A lot of these games are going to be first to 60 wins. Wow. It These teams, even with the quarterbacks, you have all of this experience, but you have defenses that also know how to plan against it. So everybody's going to have to step up, step up, step up. So you figure 60 points winning a game in what? 75, maybe 80 touchdown passes at the most leading the league. You're going to have talent. They're going to have offense, but these are going to be really 24 chess matches just in the regular season. And not to mention Poppy Livers, I believe is a defensive lineman for the soul. He missed, I believe he missed all of last season. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be coming back. He'll be healthy. That, like you said, defense is going to be really good. And with Prince, see, this is your Prince along with Money Reynolds, along with SK, but Ted, possibly the return of Ryan McDaniel, who knows? He's been with Atlanta the last couple games. I would like to see Radaball get over that hump. Finally win his second MVP award after missing out the last two years. Don't be surprised if it winds up being amongst four or five different candidates this year. I don't see anybody really pulling away, so pay closer attention to the last three games of the season and how these teams finish. That's going to determine your MVP. It could go to come down to any of the four quarterbacks, any of our receivers. It could literally come down to anybody. There's so much talent in this league. We talked about it all show. How much talent there is in this league, quality or quantity, all this other stuff. But one thing I have not noticed is, and he's about to join us momentarily, wide receiver Colin Taylor has not been signed by anybody. And here he is with us, Mr. Former Cleveland Gladiators wide receiver Colin Taylor. How are you doing tonight? Fellas, fellas, thanks for having me on. Former Gladiators receiver. That, That's right. That sounds bizarre, doesn't it? It does. It's sad, too. It's sad. Man, you're so telling let's me. Talk about, let's talk about this. Where were you when you got the news that the Gladiators were, quote-unquote, Seeping off, seizing operations for the next two seasons. Yeah, so I uh, unfortunately I was I was at work at the time. Um, I've had an awesome opportunity these last about six months or so to work at a performance gym up here in Avon, Ohio, and I was just out on the floor at work and I got a I got a text and I usually don't have my phone on me, so it was funny that I did. I got a text actually from uh, a close friend and a fan of mine who said uh-huh. terrible to hear about the gladiators and I, and I texted back. I said I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, which was wild because I was just talking about it probably an hour before to one of our athletes. And he, then he sent me the link um, to the press release and I read it right there on the floor and, and then kind of had to get back into working. So didn't really think about it. It didn't really hit me till that night when I called my parents after they'd heard about it. in the next 48 hours, it was, you know, phone call after phone call, after text, after email um, about people who, who heard about it. So, I mean, a huge bummer. Um, the biggest thing to me is we have we have such an incredible fan base here in Cleveland that I feel so I feel terrible for everybody who's you know supported us and, and loved us for so long. Um, I, I I don't feel like I don't feel like it was the, the best way to go about it, kind of springing it on everybody. But you know also the, the um, 
but it was just a bummer how it all went down. It really was. Now, kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, mm-hmm. and all the vibes from especially a very, you could almost say, rabid fan base in Cleveland Absolutely. throughout that area. Would you say that the front office would be looking for the team to come back in these two years or any sign saying it's like, hey, come on, let's let this just be a break rather than it be kind of a worst case scenario? Sure. And I'll tell you what's wild is um, I had heard about the the construction of Quicken Loans Arena probably four years ago. When I first got to Cleveland and I remember thinking how cool it would be to, you know, I I even saw a a model almost like one of those, you know, in a movie, you see, they make a Lego model of whatever it is they're looking at. Um, You know, I remember thinking, oh, that'd be super cool to play there and all that. And I hadn't heard anything since then. So it was really out of the blue. Um, So a lot of us players figured they they had to have time to look and try to find places for the team to play. Um, So... You know, I, I, I haven't ha- had an open conversation with anybody in the front office since then. Um, and I've trusted them for four years. So it's not like I would go behind their back and, and say anything negative about them. So I'm sure. I'm sure they were put in a tough situation. Um, I feel like for them to make a move like this, they must have been somewhat handcuffed. And, and this was the only option. Um, but I do know, you know, we had some fans reach out to some other facilities. We have a have a lot of a lot of facilities that could could support us around here. There's one, there's a facility in Cleveland state. There's one in Canton. There's one in Akron. There's one in Columbus, you know, that I was hearing about more and more after the fact. Um, so I imagine it was just one of those situations where they were put in a tough situation and and had to make the move. Um, so that was a bummer. But even after that, I, I think as long as we can put on a good show in the arena football league, like I believe, you know, myself and the rest of the players think that we can do moving forward. I think Cleveland would be stoked to have their team back in two years. Um, it's going to be tough, I think, to generate the following that we've had since since they came back. Um, you know, in the in the I believe it was 2010 when they moved to when they moved to Cleveland. Um, so it's going to be hard to kind of generate that fan base again. But I think if they're able to do that, um, you know, you're you're going to see a, a, an Arena Football League team here in, here in Cleveland in the next couple of years. So fingers are crossed. But I'm just being optimistic. You know, I I moved my life to Cleveland for, for that. Right. And wow. then unfortunately that happened. Um, wow. but you know, things, things happen. I get it. And, and prepared and, and moving on as, you know, as well as I can from the situation. Now I've, I've paid attention to these transactions Yeah, and I have yet to see your name. Does that, a, are you, did, if they, a team said, called you said, we want you to play for us. Would you go travel to the East coast and play for that team? So I'm in a tough spot right now. Um, I, I've spent the last seven, years of playing, trying to put myself in a situation that would, you know, give me, give me a unexciting career path as soon as football was over. Um, and I am in exactly that I'm, I'm training athletes. Um, I'm actually a, a strength and conditioning coach at a division three college out here in Ohio right now. So I have a lot of really excellent things going on as far oh, cool. as my career goes. Um, you know, but, but also seeing, seeing just pictures and, and, and videos from my buddies at practice and in training camps, you know, gets me going. I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I don't, I'm not sure that ever finishes. Um, I'm not sure you ever go without that. So it, it's something I'm, I'm looking into um, is playing this season. And, uh, you know, I've narrowed it down to four teams. So 
stuff. So that's a little different than, than years, years past. Um, but you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen soon. So, you know, there, there'll be something out, uh, something coming out pretty soon. I imagine that you guys will, that you guys will see, um, but it's definitely something, I mean, you know, the arena football league has a very special place in my heart. It's given me a lot of opportunities. And now that us as players have kind of worked, uh, worked ourselves to do better CBA, uh, and in, in a better place where the league is willing to support us all year round and, and, you know, give us, give us opportunities for healthcare and, and pay us more like professionals and house us more like professionals. You know, it's something that I would almost be remiss not to play in because I remember eight, you know, eight years ago playing for $150 in the IFL. And I feel like, you know, I almost deserve to play in a league with, with higher pay. Um, so it's, it's definitely something I'm, I'm looking into. Now, you kind of saved yourself because I was going to put you on the spot a little bit, but you brought up an excellent point. (laughs) On top of the news with the Gladiators, you, I'm sure, just like all the players, either sat back, participated in, got connected in somehow with the CBA negotiations. Mm -hmm. Seeing everything from, folks, like my perspective on watching everything on Twitter, Steven's perspective, how he was following along with it. As a player, how did you feel as everything was going on, knowing that the season was on the line? I'll tell you, there was about a 24-hour period where we went from thinking that the Arena Football League would never be around, that would never play again, to landing a CBA, we're on a conference call, everybody agrees with a unanimous decision that we support the CBA. I mean, it was, it was wild how quickly everything happened. Um, you know, and, and obviously we've all got, and just, just for my team, I know we've got a group chat that we all, we all text about and all the updates and our player rep was Quentin Sims. So Q, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten a chance to talk to Quentin, but he's, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. I mean, the guy's incredible. He'll go to law school here in a couple of years when he's, when he's done having a, having an incredible football career. Um, mm. But he's not only an incredible player, he's an incredible guy. Um, and he was, he was very involved in the negotiation. And, and we, as, as Cleveland, were super lucky to have him on our side. Um, so he would keep us updated on all the, uh, you know, on all the stuff moving forward on the CBA. And um, it was just really nice to, once it went from, um, once it went from literally like not thinking we were going to play to 12 hours later, um, having, having an awesome CBA. I mean, it was, it was, it was a wild ride, but I'm glad we held out. I'm glad everybody stayed together and we're able to get something that, that we wanted. Yeah. Um, there's four teams. I said this earlier, quality over quantity. There's four teams, but every team is stacked with talent. And a lot of people don't feel that saying. I don't understand why, but that's that's, that's something else. Uh, Colin Taylor, former Cleveland Gladiators wide receiver, probably future on another team wide receiver. We'll love to see him back in the league this year. Yeah, thank you, thank you. With all this this talent, we asked Tim, we had Tim Capper refund on earlier. He mm-hmm. couldn't figure it. He couldn't he couldn't figure it out. Uh, I'm going to ask you: Do you have a matchup you like to see in a readable thirty, and a team you would like to see win it all this year? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you. If, Philadelphia is king right now. You know, it it would I think it would be dumb for anybody to say that they're not they sh- you know they shouldn't be number one going into the season. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, and maybe you'll have to listen back and hear what you say. But these guys, 
you know, they've, they've had these guys together for so long. I got an opportunity to play for Clint, which was one of the, you know, coach Dalzell, which was one of the best experiences I've ever had. I mean, the guy just knows the game. He knows what to do every week. Philly goes into a game. They have an advantage just because of him. Um, and everybody knows that, you know, and he's the type of guy who, if you, you played against one of his teams in 2011, you're going to get the same game plan that he takes going into 2018, but the players are so sold. They're so into it that they know, you know, we're going to play, we're going to, we're going to play the game plan. We're going to go by the game plan. And at the end of the game, we're going to have an opportunity to win it. And I mean, they're so confident with that and they're so good at it. Um, you know, watching Philadelphia, they don't make a ton of mistakes. And that's, that's a big thing you see. And that's a problem we had in the past. The, the games we lost when I was playing for the Gladiators were games that we just made a few too many mistakes. And even if it was two or three turnovers, that's two or three turnovers too much to be playing a Philadelphia team. Um, so I, I think Philly's number one. I think, again, any opportunity that they have with, with the team they have and, and Coach Ozell, I think, I think you'll you'll more than likely see them in the championship. And then just kind of as things are unfolding, uh, I think right now Albany probably has the next best roster because mm-hmm. um, they're just they're just packed with packed with veterans. Their defense looks awesome. Um, you know, starting to develop a, a pretty impressive offense. Um, you know, a couple of my close friends are out there. And I mean, I, I, I think they're going to be like a really, really tough team. And, and Coach Keefe is, has always been always been tough to play against. Um, you know, when he was with those Orlando teams that we played against in Cleveland, he was always a heck of a coach to play against. So I think that you're going to see some pretty excellent battles between those two teams. But also with that being said, I mean, you can't sleep on Nick Davila, right, in, in Washington. I mean, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And now he's got Rod Windsor back. So it really doesn't matter who else is out there with them. You know, they're going to be competitive. And then, you know, you see Randy uh, link up with Ings and, and Q out there and, you know, some of these other guys. Um, it's going to be a really competitive league this year. All right. So now I am going to put you on the spot. Okay. Okay. As you said earlier, you narrowed it down to four teams. If anybody happens to pick up the phone, hit you up, you would give them a shot. But especially after everything you just mentioned, is there one team, one roster where you're looking at and saying, you know, if blank, you have my number. Dot, <laughs> sure. dot, dot, <laughs> Fill in that blank. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me think about how I want to approach this. Um, <laughs> I I think every team has a good opportunity to to compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. And I, I also the the only thing that I think I haven't done in my career as an arena football player is won a championship. So that would be the thing if, you know, if contacted, I would go to the team that I think has the best opportunity to win the championship. Is that, (sighs) is that, is that, is that vague enough for you guys? Yeah. Well played. I got you. Well played. Yeah. So it's just one of those situations that, you know, I, every team is, is packed and I just, I just, I want to play a role whatever that role is on, on the best team in the league. So, um, you know, going to play, I'm going to try to find a position where I know I can help the team out where, uh, you know, I, I believe in what the coaching staff uh, is doing. And that I also, you know, have, have some, some veterans on the team who I can trust and I've played with before. Um, and I think that's, what's going to end up, you know, being ultimately what, 
what my decision is going to be. Um, cause in the past I've just, you know, I've tried to get close to home, which is Indianapolis and nothing's super close to home. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of out the window now. Demographics aren't really a big deal. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've never been to, I've never been to Baltimore. I've never been to DC. I've never spent any time in New York. Um, so I think all those would be pretty, pretty cool places to play. Uh, I don't know if you follow any other leagues, like the American Arena League. There's a team in my area, the Richmond Rough Riders. Yeah, yeah. Just just today, um, Jay Luster, very trusted man in the arena football media, he broke the news that the Rough Riders signed your one of your former, fr- I guess he's a, I guess he would still be a friend, but yeah. one of your former yeah, teammates, yeah, yeah, yeah. Arvell Nelson, has signed with the Richmond Rough Riders. Rest, I, I cannot wait to see him on the in action this Saturday. That's awesome. Um, I actually was just in in. I was just talking to Arvell. It's funny because we, we both work in similar fields up here in Cleveland. Um, and a lot of their football guys come up to our football camps. We send them a lot, a lot of our guys to his football camps. Um, and so we have a lot of connections out here in Cleveland. And I actually just heard right before we got on the phone, uh, I got a text that, that Arvell signed. So I'm excited for him, man. He's a, he's a heck of an athlete. He, can, he could throw the ball through a brick wall. Um, you know, so he's he's going to be a, he's super exciting to to watch play, and I might have to actually tune in if I'm able to get that game. I might have to tune in to to see him do his thing. And I, nothing, I wish nothing but the best best for for Arvell. Of course, Colin Taylor, former Cleveland Gladiators wide receiver, also a Beijing Lions wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you have that going on next year. You are awesome. You're always awesome. We have we have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. To take a time out of your schedule tonight, joining us here on the Season 3 premiere of This Week in the AFL. Thank you, Colin. Thanks for having me, guys. Any Anything you need, you guys know my number, right? Yes, sir. So that is right. We do. Absolutely. Hey, I, I've been against this guy, folks, way too many times, <laughs> and it's already come back. So we'll be seeing Colin around. Absolutely. Take that back. You got it. You got it. Thanks, guys. Great talking to you all. Thank you, Colin. That was awesome. I Definitely him saying Quentin Sims was going, actually going to – Law school in a couple of years. That that makes me want to have Quint Sims on. So we'll have to work on that as well in the next couple of weeks as we go on here on this week in the AFL. That, that'd be very interesting. Well, Eric, the time has come. We are at the end of the show. It is time for both of us to give a readable 31 predictions. I'll let you go first. Now, I said Baltimore is kind of my odd team out. And I already said Philadelphia, as stacked as they are, as much of a cohesive, long-time unit they've been together, they're not going to make it to the Arena Bowl. The way that I see it, I have a Beltway SmackDown playoff as one of those two-game series. And in that case, I go with Nick Davila. I always do come the postseason. As good as Randy is, he's another one of those guys that unfortunately can't really get over the hump. In my other matchup, I've got Philadelphia and Albany. Now listen, Randy or Dan Rodabaugh, Tommy Grady, they've met in the playoffs before. Grady knows, after grinding and grinding, how to get the upper hand, especially if he gets to see him twice. I think this is the case that, just like when he made it to the Arena Bowl with the Sharks, he does it again. However, 
also like when he made it to the arena bowl with the sharks i have him coming up a teeny bit short washington at home beats the empire all right uh oddly enough i have this i know i said albany was my favorite but tim sort of got me tim Kuiper got me today tommy grady has been out of league a year he broke his foot in the nal last year missed most of the season so uh Eric, I'm gone with you here. The Washington Valor will defeat the Albany Empire at the because the it's another Capital One Arena, I believe, in Washington D.C. Yes, to capture mm-hmm. Arena Bowl 31 and complete what I believe will be the biggest turnaround in Arena Football League history, and will be a part of it. It's going to be a blessing if it happens. This is very early; a lot of things can change, but if it happens, it'll be a great turnaround. So everything is up in the air. Now, will it be like the Tampa Bay turnaround going from two and 14 to an arena bowl berth? Not quite, but three and 11 to say eight and four and winning the arena bowl. I'll take it. And, you know, I'll be in Washington, D.C. on July 28th to watch that. But we have a long way to go. I'm very excited for the season. I'm very excited for the show. We keep going here. Oh, good. Good to be back in the saddle. Good to have a saddle to be back. Oh, yes, absolutely. So that is going to do it for the season three premiere of this week in AFL. Eric, a pleasure as always. Can't wait to be doing this show for the rest of the rest of the way. Ah, tis only the beginning. Oh, yes. I'm Stephen Err. We thank you for listening to the season three premiere of this week in the AFL. Enjoy opening weekend, and you already know, we'll be back next week, everybody. Peace! With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.